morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of the Life You Deserve podcast. Today, I am delighted to be able to welcome my special guest, a young lady called Naomi Buffery. Now, she is um, an anxiety specialist, so she helps mainly women uh, and um, focuses a lot on mums uh, because she is a mum herself. Um, with anxiety but today we're focusing on one special area of her work which is social anxiety don't really know a lot about this because it's not something that I particularly ever suffered with <laughs> who knew um, but she explains to us what how social anxiety manifests itself so the kind of things that you might be experiencing if this is you so being a real people pleaser for one really worrying that you're doing the right thing all the time that kind of guilt about not being um, right and not being good. Um, that moment when you're worried that people aren't going to like you and so you almost bend over backwards to make sure that you do everything in your power um, to resolve that situation because it's too fearful otherwise. So this is a really interesting episode and uh, um, if this is you or maybe it's somebody that you know then please do share this episode around um, and I hope you have as much fun as I did listening to Naomi uh, because it's uh, my real passion to help you live the life you deserve. So hi Naomi, welcome to the Life You Deserve podcast. How, very, how the very devil are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm so pleased because we've, we've not actually, weirdly, met in person, although it always feels like no. we have, doesn't it? No, I do feel like I know you, <laughs> strangely. And this is the first time we've actually um, spoken, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, other than through the medium of social media and... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, um... I know that you've probably had a, a bit of a week last week because you had a little lad at home and he, he loves being at home, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Yeah, he is, he is actually a, ho a little homeboy. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, back to normal this week, back to school this week. Um, a few tears this, yesterday morning, but everything's back to normal. So he's, yeah, back to, back to school. So we just had a nice week off together. Yeah, um, nice, yeah. And I, I think you know, it's very common, isn't it? I remember those feelings, and not that my kids did it regularly, is, you know, being, feeling so awful when you drop your kids at school and they're crying and you think, oh, and you worry about them all day <laughs> and they get home and they've, <laughs> they've had a brilliant day and they've forgotten all about you, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's, um, it's usually worse on the parents, isn't it? Like, I, I remember when he was at nursery, and um, he used to he used to cry like more often at nursery, but apparently he was crying a few minutes later. But then you'd spend the whole day feeling bad about it, mm. and um, they they'd forgotten about you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of something that um, you know. When you talked about that, I, I read a post that you did the other day about it. Mm -hmm. I think, well, actually, I know you help a lot of women. Your speciality is with with sort of anxiety and emotional mm. health but I know one of your specialities is actually social anxiety and particularly mm. for mums isn't it yeah yeah um I, yes I am an anxiety coach but um 
um, social anxieties where my passion lies because that's something that I lived with for a long time and I just assumed it was part of my personality. I thought, oh, well, I'm just shy. Um, and I've, I've been labelled shy throughout my life and um, there's, there's no such thing as shyness. And it's, it's a story we tell ourselves. And when I discovered how to move on from that and how much better I feel, I, I wanted everyone to feel like that, that's, that struggles with social anxiety. So that's why I'm passionate about that. So can you explain to me from, for your, from your own personal perspective, but also mm. from the women that you help and women that might be listening or watching here today, yeah. Because how does that manifest itself? What, what are the feelings, what are the um, emotions that women will be experiencing mm. with this, or mums will be experiencing with this, this kind of social anxiety type picture? Yeah, it, um, it can manifest itself in lots of different ways. And uh, what, what happens is, is, is a lot of people ha have high functioning anxiety. So you get on with your life, but um, there's always this, this um, sort of fear that holds you back. And um, social anxiety is this need for other people to like you. So um, it's, a real, like, it's a real strong need for people to like you. And you base a lot of your decisions around that. And what are those decisions about the way that you look, the way that you behave, where you live, who you marry or who your partner is, everything is affected by that? Um, yeah, it can do. It, re it really can affect all sorts of um, areas of your life. Um, I'll try and think of an example like uh, uh, people pleasing is, is a huge issue for people with social anxiety that thing where you can't say no yeah. so i've got myself into all sorts of pickles <laughs> shall we put it um where i've said yes to stuff that i haven't really wanted to do because if i didn't because i it actually the thought of saying no to someone would fill me with massive fear it would it, the thought of saying no to someone made me feel anxious and it was it was because of this deep desire to have other people like me. I okay. really, really needed other people to like me. So if, so you, I would, said no, so, if you said no, so if you said no to that person, that would mean for you that you would feel anxious, and that would really yeah. mean for you at the end of the day that that would that you wouldn't be liked. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it was so really important. How, how do we distinguish that though from anybody with um, who isn't necessarily a people pleaser, but they just have a kind of caring, more of a, ca a caring personality? Because you know, I find it difficult to say no. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I don't suffer with social anxiety, but mm. in the past, I have found it difficult to say no. Mm. Um, because I'm, I just want to help the world. I want to save the world. I'm a bit of a rescuer, or have been in the past. Mm. So how do we dis yes. distinguish between the the non-social anxiety person that is a people pleaser, but not with that at its root, and the the, the mum with the social anxiety that is so terrified that 
this will mean that somebody doesn't like her. How, how do we know the difference? Well, um, there's a couple of things. Um, if you're saying yes to stuff that goes against your, your values, um, that you do stuff that maybe, I don't know, that maybe it might be dangerous or something like that, you, and you don't have any boundaries, uh-huh. that is, that's where the issue is. When you, you, don't, you don't have any boundaries, you basically allow people to walk all over you. Now I can I totally understand what you're saying because I I am um, I'm empathetic I'm a nurturer I want to I want to save people that's that's in my that's in my makeup I'm exactly the same as you in that respect and but um, when you when you have you have that personality trait and you don't have boundaries and you and you don't have self respect or a sense of self-worth that it takes it to the extreme where you're doing stuff a lot that you that you don't want to do or um make you feel uncomfortable or um yeah goes against your values that sort of thing that's what I'd say the difference is if that makes sense yeah it does make sense that's really well explained actually because Mm. although I am a you know like you and you now <laughs> and me as I used to be but I you know one of the things I have done more of is being much more aware of my boundaries um but I've never put myself in those situations where things I've done have gone against my core values not really and I've never certainly put myself in a dangerous situation so this is the concern really isn't it is to really help these women that because I think, would you agree with me? I think women on the whole tend to be more caring anyway. Yeah. Um, so it's natural for us to kind of want to help out and volunteer for stuff and, you know, be the caring soul. But actually what we're really talking about here is this almost paralyzing fear and paralyzing trait that you have learned because as you said, mm-hmm. You learn to be shy. You are not shy. <laughs> Somebody's mm. pigeonholed you. It's a bit like the, um, you know, I, I listen a lot to Joe Dispenser who talks about something happening to you or somebody saying to some, something to you that becomes a kind of mood and, it, and then it becomes a kind of um, part of your makeup and then all of a sudden it becomes part of your personality. Yeah. And, then, and then it's your personal reality. So, you know, oh, isn't your daughter a shy little thing? Well, I'm shy, so, you know, well, I don't need to speak because I'm shy. And that, that becomes a temperament. And little girls always known as shy, and that becomes your personality. Yeah. And actually, as you say, you, in order to change that personality, you need to be able to understand that you can change the reality. And I believe that's what you do, and that's what you help people do. Is that correct? Yeah, um, it's you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's what you were describing was um, how we develop beliefs about ourselves. Mm. And um, those beliefs are based on our experiences and they do have a bit to do with our, our personality as well. So you just have to have been through... Um, some you just have to experience something a couple of times to create a belief about yourself so you were you right when i was 
uh, when I was younger, that was, I was very much um, the good girl. And that's what I was labeled as in my family. Oh, you're the good one. My brother was a bit of a, um, um, what's the word? <laughs> what's the polite word? He was a bit of a tear away, let's put it that way. And um, so I was labeled the good girl. And that's, and that's the role that I fit into throughout, throughout life. And so that's what my belief was. And yeah, when I was labelled as shy and you know and um, accommodating, and I did what I was told, and blah blah blah, and that's the belief that I I had throughout my life. And it wasn't until I had coaching myself that I'd uncovered these beliefs about myself. And shyness, uh, and we, we talk people talk about shyness all the time, like oh, isn't he shy? And, when they talk about little toddlers and things, uh, I hate it when people call toddlers shy. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> um, it's it's not it's not actually real. It's it's a it's a story you tell yourself, and that's how that's what I do when I work with the with the with the mums that I work with. We we do that. We um, we look at your what beliefs you've got and how they're holding you back. And social anxiety is a set of beliefs, basically. It's not, it's not actually reality, it's, it's something you tell yourself. And um, through the, what the coaching that I do, we, what we do is we try and get all of that stuff that's in your subconscious mind that you don't know about really, you just go through life accepting that about yourself. We get it out of your subconscious mind and into your conscious mind and then when it's in your conscious mind, you can do something about it and you can make those changes. And that's basically what I did with myself. Yeah. So can I, can I ask you then how, um, through that process, because I know that, you know, if you go for any coaching or counseling and you've never done that before, and particularly if you're looking at, you know, there's a lot of regression therapy or uh, those kind of scenarios that, um, bring up things that are subconscious as you say in yeah. the technique that you use for some people that can be quite a daunting process can't it because mm -hmm. it's easier isn't it you know the, the, the reason that we are in our personal reality and the personality that we have is because we've suppressed all the things that we we don't want to face yeah so how do you overcome mum's anxieties <laughs> about mm. actually a, a really facing those things head on knowing that sometimes some of those conversations and some of those feelings are potentially going to be very difficult and painful for them the you you can't you can't do the coaching until or this work on yourself because it's deep work that's what they call it don't they um you can't do work on yourself until you're ready if you and and i think um the 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 best thing is, is education and educating people to understand why they, why they feel certain, why they feel the way they do, why they behave the way they do, why they think the way they do. And with education, it's um, by, by educating them, they, they discover the stuff themselves. So it's a bit easier when they discover it for themselves rather than me psychoanalyzing them. Yeah. Um, and um, what else was I going to say? So how, um, how, explain how that works. Because you have um, 
is it a five week program an eight week eight week program yeah eight week so part of the eight week program is self-discovery by you yes pointing them in the direction of you know perhaps you could have a look here maybe you could look there how, how does that work well, oh well, the the coaching program is is um, is broken down into eight modules. Well, I teach the teaching modules, and then I basically teach them the the the, the steps. The it's called we call it the seven step, the seven pillars to self empowerment. And it's each different module. Just it uh, it's like a training module, really. Um, gives them all the information they need to, to actually coach themselves and uncover this stuff themselves. So the, some of the stuff we go through would be, we, we look at beliefs, we look at um, what beliefs are. I mean, actually, actually discovering that what you believe about your, the stuff you believe about yourself isn't necessarily true or based on fact is, is, um, really eye-opening yeah because people don't know that people don't know that stuff we believe it we tell ourselves stuff so much we believe it's true so um explaining what beliefs are and all of that is really eye-opening and um we talk about thought processes and how different uh, types of thinking styles can affect us as well because we all fall into natural thinking styles as well when some of them are quite unhelpful um what else do we talk about? Um, we talk we, we talk a lot about self-esteem and we talk um, we talk about the being able, um, trying to control stuff that's outside of your control and what you can control and what you can't control because um, that's that's a, a big issue for people with anxiety as well trying to control stuff which is outside of your control like the people pleasing. You're, it's, it's actually a form of manipulation for people pleasing because yeah. you're trying you're um adapting your behavior to get somebody to like you um so that's trying to control other people mm. sounds horrible when you put it like that mm. um <laughs> so yeah so that when you when you're um, trying to control stuff that's outside your control um yeah I can't think of what else there is. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's lots of different things like that to educate people so that they can discover the stuff themselves. And how, how often is it that you meet women that are in very controlling relationships, whether it's coercive control or whether it's actually physical or, uh, physical or sexual abuse? Uh, is this common, this kind of social anxiety does that manifest in those women too i i haven't actually met any women that are, are in those sort of relationships at the time but they have been in those relationships uh -huh. um there was one one mum that i worked with and she when she was in her 20s and it's something she'd actually grown out of but uh, she had a lot of relationships like that that were controlling and manipulative manipulative um i myself have been in those relationships um i had i can uh, the reason i'm asking is that i can imagine it's easy to mm. fall into that that trap and that relationship and you know as we all know 
um, it doesn't matter whether you're told you're shy or whether or not you are in an abusive relationship that's still your personal reality and therefore that's why yes. women keep going back to what they know is because it feels bizarrely safe to be the good girl or the shy girl or the the girl that's doing wrong and therefore is being abused or whatever it is so you know it just made me think my goodness how many women could be helped by what you do um, empowering them to be educated as you describe and to really do some self-examination to raise their self-worth to understand that you know the way that they are is as a result of experiences and can be changed therefore mm -hmm. um, yeah. and that it's only part of their personality it's a bit like the work that I do um, with with women uh, for example who are so scared of developing breast cancer um, whether or not they've got the gene in their family or not there's this massive fear because we live in a society that wants us to be fearful of you know yes. you know look at what's happening with the coronavirus at the moment that's just oh, yeah. everybody we're making them really scared you know yes um and it's a bit like explaining to women that even if you have the genetic predisposition to breast cancer does not mean that you are going to get it that actually, mm. you know, genetics are only 10% of your, the, the way that your body responds to life. It's 90% of it are other things. And therefore you've got 90% opportunity to control that, um, yeah. you know, to control the 10%, if you like. And, it, and, it's a, and it's a bit like this for you as well, is that when women realize that, yes, part, a small part of their personality maybe that they get a little bit anxious about being around new people or whatever it is but actually that's only um a feeling and it's not mm. yeah would that would that be true yeah yeah it's it, it's one of the most one of the best i remember when um, i went through the coaching program myself because that's that's how i um got into it i did it myself first and thought this is amazing <laughs> and then um, trained it in it myself and it it was the biggest revelation to me ever to find out that social anxiety isn't real it's something it was something that this shyness was um was just just, just something i told myself mm. and just having that piece of information actually was life-changing for me absolutely yeah. life-changing yeah. because and i had all these it gave, you, it gave you a choice, didn't it? Yes. Well, and I thought, I, I can think, I can believe something else about myself. And I do now. I believe, you know, I believe something completely different now. I had, I had a very strong belief that um, I was rubbish at talking, that I was boring. Nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. So I just kept quiet. That was something that I, a really strong belief I had. Um, and then, then I discovered that I don't have to believe that. It's, well, thank it's goodness you don't, because you have so much to say and so much to give, and you say it in such an eloquent and fascinating and engaging way. So, oh, so you are your best example, as we all are when we work in whatever job that we do, you know, if we're passionate about something, we're mm. always our best examples, aren't we? But I was wondering, um, is there, you know, we know that 
you know, you've you worked with women who have come to you with this social exam anxiety. So can you just think of uh, somebody perhaps that you've worked with who came to you suffering with this social anxiety and explain first to uh, all to us what that meant for her? What, how was that manifesting itself for her? Um, the, the first person that comes to mind is somebody that was, um, she was a teacher and um, she had, and this is a symptom of social anxiety, she had um, a, um, what's the word? She felt really uncomfortable around authority figures. And this is a symptom of social anxiety as well. And she, and she couldn't stand any criticism and it was really affecting her job. And um, she, she really, really doubted herself work. And it was, this was, this, this was a lot to do with her social anxiety. Um, but <clears throat> the thing about, the thing about um, social anxiety is it's closely linked to self-esteem as well. So her self-esteem was really low as well. She, she doubted herself a lot. She, um, she, what she was doing was she wasn't able to take any sort of feedback because she was seeing it as a, a criticism and she was taking it, um, taking it really, really badly. So, and what, that, what did that actually mean for her in terms of her everyday life then? You know, she was dreading home. Yeah, she, she dreaded going into work. She felt anxious all the time because she, she got herself into this state where she felt like she was going to be criticised all the time. She felt like people didn't take her, take her seriously. Um, she dr absolutely dreaded going into work. Her life was quite miserable and she felt quite tired all the time because she was ruminating over it. Um, and when, you, when you're overthinking, she, was, oh, she overthought a lot of stuff. Um, and about giving up her job even yeah yeah she did yeah she did think about giving up her job she, this was when she came to me she she's that's when she came to me she said I, I I don't know what to do um I seem to be jumping from job to job and the same thing happens I uh another th she seems to she felt like she was jumping from relationship to relationship as well and she she'd met a really nice man that she bought the house with and she didn't want that to happen again she felt that she felt like she was sabotaging um and she didn't know how to stop um that's interesting self-sabotage self is mm. part of i can imagine self-sabotage being part of social anxiety mm. uh, not only of the of oneself but also of of what's going on around you as well. Yeah, um, yeah, she, yeah, she, it, she was basically because of stuff that she was imagining. And that's what she was doing. She, a lot of this was in her imagination. Yeah, she was going to give up her a perfectly good job, and in her head, the relationship wasn't going to last because she was going to do something to ruin it. And there's, so I don't know if you've heard of this. A lot of what ifs. What if? What if this yes, that's it. Yes, 
yeah and that's where the problems lie the what ifs and that's your thoughts getting out of control um because your thoughts are really powerful aren't they and um they actually control your reality yeah. whether they're based on fact or not yeah absolutely. Um, and that's uh, that was a real powerful lesson for her i'm just realizing that she's creating all of this herself so did, and, uh, did this lady do your <laughs> online program or did you work on a one-to-one -one basis with her uh, we did um, we did it over Skype Skype calls. So yeah, one to one, one to one to, uh, weekly Skype calls we did. Um, yeah. And how quickly did you see a change in her? Um, it, it, this is it's there's a pattern with pretty much everyone you work with, and um, they come in, they're really enthusiastic. They're, they're ready to change, they're, they're excited, and then you get to sort of week three or four, and they, the changes aren't happening quick enough, and they feel really despondent, and they might cancel a session, um, they, they may be discovering stuff that they're not quite happy about, like we talked earlier, and um, so week three or four is like a real dodgy time, and then, um, and then, then you almost sort of go over, get over a hump. Um, by about week six, you start to see real changes, real, real significant changes. And then, yeah, by the by the end of it, um, you, can, you can really notice the difference by the end of the eight weeks. But it's not just a case of yeah, you've done it now, you've done your eight weeks. It's tools that you've got to keep on, keep on applying forever basically yes this is um, you can fall back into old habits yeah it's a massive lifestyle change and any, anything that you mm -hmm. do in terms of personal or house development or whatever it, it yeah fortunately <laughs> it requires lifestyle changes that are permanent and um, yeah that you need to keep working at so so what happened for this lady so what um what was the end result and i don't mean after the eight weeks but you know mm -hmm kept in touch with her how how is her life now well it's, i do i do keep in touch with her actually um she she did end up leaving her job and um she the, the, what we uncovered was that she pursued a teaching career because that was what was expected of her <laughs> and actually she was quite creative and she was really artistic and um you can tell can't you whether by the way people dress yeah, um, yeah. how creative they are and, and she was very very um fashionable and really took care of her appearance and um she started up her own nail uh business so she started by the end of it she um started up her own business and she's doing really well now um and she, she's got a little studio in her house and she's got her own business for nail design yeah so it works out really well but um yeah she, she did with the guy pardon? is she with the guy pardon? yes yes she is yeah yeah. yeah yeah she's doing well yeah she's doing well um so that's interesting. So it's not only about social anxiety but it's about being trapped in what other people's views of you yeah it's very common isn't it and i'm not sure that mm. we still do it as parents i hope we don't but certainly in my generation and obviously it sounds like hers is that you know and i know that in some cultures you know you're not successful unless you're an engineer or a doctor or yeah. whatever particularly you know 
in the Asian culture. And, and this is what we have to be careful as parents not to do, is to lay those expectations on our children. Even though we have high hopes for them, that's a different thing to actually, you know, this is expected of me. And I think each of us have our own personal expectations anyway. Mm. Um, so to have somebody else's expectations laid on top of us is, is really very difficult, particularly if they're coming from that very early formative age, you know, before seven years old, because we know that's such a critical time. Yeah. Um, so anything that is you're being exposed to, any words or views or, as you say, expectations at that time, can live with you for decades mm. and what you've done is uncovered that and she probably wasn't even aware of that well she knew it but she didn't know she didn't know the effect of that I'm guessing um and that yeah. she had the opportunity suddenly to have choice in fact I'm uh, in a, a group of people at the moment and there's a lady there who she talks a lot about her mum and dad expecting her to be a teacher I think um, and she went to, you know, college because they expected it. She doesn't want to do that. Um, and she's still, you know, she's got her own children now. She's still finding it quite difficult to tell them that actually she, she wants to be an art teacher or she wants to be an artist and create stuff mm -hmm. um, and have her own studio. And even though she's probably in her 40s, she's finding it really difficult to have that conversation with them. Yeah. Um, so, we, you know... It's really eye-opening for lots of people. You know, the, the work that you're doing is not just about fixing, you know, you're not just putting a plaster on here. You are actually, for a lot of people, uncovering the root cause, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's what I say in a lot of my, um, in my, a lot of my messages, actually. If this isn't a plaster, because um, if you... If, you, if you're feeling anxious um, and it's, it's having an effect on your life, you go to the doctors and the doctor will put, prescribe you some medication that's, and that, and that you, feel, you feel better within a couple of weeks. That is putting a plaster on it because you're not actually, you're just dulling the symptoms rather than mm. actually finding out where they come from and doing something about it. It's definitely, um, mm. and that's what I say, um, quite often to people is that um, if you if, if you want quick fixes don't don't work quick fixes um, you can't you, you're not going to get the results unless you put the effort in and I think that's the same I think that's pretty much the same with anything not just your, your emotional health mm. absolutely anything yeah and so in terms of, um, so you've obviously given sort of an example of that lady, and particularly in the workplace, how, how finally, before we go, what's the, the effect of social anxiety on mums? How does that kind of affect their lives and the way that they operate within their families and how they bring up their children? How does that look? Um, there's, I think there's this, it's, I, I think there's a real issue with women that doubt themselves, not just mums, women in general doubting themselves. And we, before we have kids, we doubt ourselves in our work, we doubt ourselves in our relationships, whatever. And then we have kids and we doubt our parenting skills. And it's because we're not very good at giving, telling ourselves, uh, giving ourselves a pat on the back. We, we're really good uh, at, picking it up, picking at our 
um, at things that we perceived to have done wrong. We're really good at telling ourselves off. We're not very good at saying, you know what, you've done a really good thing there, or you've tried really hard. So there's this epidemic, <laughs> I don't know whether that's a bit dramatic, of women that doubt themselves. And so when you carry that into um, parenting, you um, it can affect all sorts of areas. Um, so you, 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 you feel judged often and you feel... You compare yourself to other parents and it makes you feel bad. You compare yourself to other people on social media and that makes you feel bad. Um, you're second guessing yourself all the time. Um, this, I, this was definitely true for me. And also you can, it, it has an effect on your, it can have an effect on your birthing experience as well. This is another thing that, um, that I talk about. Um, if you're, if you take your social anxiety into the labor ward with you, you're not going to stick up for yourself and you're going to, you're not, you're, it's almost like being passed along a conveyor belt if you don't, and just saying yes to everything. And it, and it can traumatize you if you, if you feel that really out of control during, during labor. So it can affect you having social anxiety it can affect all, all sorts of areas of your life. And if you feel traumatized during birth, you're starting off on the back foot yeah. uh, with parenting as well. That's really interesting, Naomi. And I, I um, spend my life with menopausal women, <laughs> it seems. Yeah, the other um, end. <laughs> the other extreme. And of course, anxiety is a big part. Anxiety, depression, low self-worth is a big part of perimenopausal and postmenopausal mm. uh, symptoms. And actually, I can see what you're saying is, you know, I was with a group of women the other day and probably a good third of them have gone to their doctors with what clearly were menopausal symptoms. Um, and the first line of defense was to put them on antidepressants. Yeah. Or, uh, well, medica medication. And I don't mean hormone replacement therapy, which is kind of replacing something that's not there. Um, but they were put on medications, which is the plaster over the top. They weren't actually looking underneath. And, mm. you know, one of the things that, I'm really keen to do like you're doing is to empower these women to stick up for themselves so as they stick up for themselves in the in the labor ward so they need to stick up for themselves and be very clear about what they want in terms of you know their their midlife years and how they need support through there as well I think we probably need to do another podcast on yeah these subjects actually i think that would be a really good thing to talk about is to uh is to mm -hmm. revisit that uh between us and uh because yeah think yeah a lot of commonality in there yeah perfect okay so um how can people find you naomi um you can find me on linkedin yeah. search for naomi buffery facebook again search for naomi buffery and instagram and uh, and my website as well is naomibuffery.com. So I'm really easy to find. <laughs> Just search for Naomi Buffery. Okay. I, don't, I think I'm the only one. Or well, there might be another one more Naomi Buffery. It is quite um, an unusual name. Isn't it? So I'm, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'll put some links up. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put some links up on here. So, uh, so thank you very much for um, sharing your time with us today and your expertise with us today. It's very nice thank to you. you um, and um, hopefully we'll have another conversation on another episode of The Life You Deserve. Thanks for listening, everybody.